This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Hey, bro, what's the Connected Experience? It's the lifestyle, man. It's everything from live events to podcasts to putting people in a room with each other so they get to know each other to just being the people who we are in real life and making sure people meet the people that they supposed to know. Yeah, being a liaison, a lot of people don't know what that term means, but that's middlemaning, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, this, then this would be like high-level middlemaning. Middle yeah, but I will still do a low-level middleman deal if it's, if it's lucrative for me that day. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So you got a turn? Yeah, I do, man. But before that, man, how you been? I've been all right. What about yourself? Yeah, man, just hanging on like a hubcap in the fast lane. Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. type of music you been listening to? Uh, lately, man, I... Little baby dog, I can't. I mean, that just was yeah, on play. Yeah, Little baby hard. You know who else hard though? Uh, Palm Beach, Florida. PC Tweezy. I've been yeah. listening to that yeah. dog hard. He up next. So remember where you heard it first, right here, because he just dropped a uh, project, Candy Lady Grand Baby. We've been listening to that on the way. Some yeah. of it yeah. is dope. You should check it out. Nah, Jay Johnson. You hear my pick, because last time I put you up on niggas, you ain't listen. Then another nigga came in and told niggas, and that was a whole different type of nigga. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, PC yeah, he hot, though. So, what's your, uh, what's your term? Man, my term is uh, literature, which is the writings dealing with a particular subject. Uh, literature, we read a lot. So, lot. a lot of stuff we read would be considered literature. It's a lot of fact-based information yeah. uh, and then the person we have with us today he actually writes books so he does literature and then we go also my term is leadership is both a research and a research area and a particular skill regarding the ability of an individual or organization to lead or guide other individuals now speaking of uh, literature I haven't been reading lately you know what I'm saying because nothing really interests me and then I found right. out that everybody that I'm rocking with is kind of like reading the same type of books yeah. so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna start I got a gift card from uh, Barnes and Noble with yeah. like 50 bucks on it. I'm yeah. just going to order some books. Like, I'll, I'm just going to read some synopsis. But it's a few books I want to get. I want to get that new Charlemagne. Yeah. I want to get uh, I want to get Star from Star and Buck Wild book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because Star is really like. You know what, man? I When when it's been coming to reading lately, I actually, like, stepped away from those type of authors. And, uh, you know, I was doing those lot cleanouts with Unc. And, uh, man, I found some books on, like, some dictators, like, Stuff like that. You got them so in the crib? They in my trunk, actually. I got like five books. In the car that we riding? Yeah, pretending like World War Two. And I was like, I'm going to read these. Just It's just a different perspective. Like, to keep my mind working, I like to have different perspectives. Because no matter how bad you think somebody is, it was some good in, in them, them for yeah, something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I know a lot of killers, but they love me. So to me, they ain't killers. That's just what they are to you. You know what I'm saying? So that's just the same uh, outlook I'm going to take when it comes to reading those books. But I got like five of them. So if you want to uh, borrow one today before we uh, depart from being with each other, that'll work for me. So uh, who we got sitting with us today, man? Well, today we go talk to uh, Terrence Perrier. He, uh, he's an author, entrepreneur, a father. He a uh, college graduate. We go get into all of that right now. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Terrence Perrier. I'm the author of Does Your Network Exceptional Leadership Through Biblical Principles, and I'm also the author of my new book, which is coming out October 9th, called Grow Through It. Um, I'm the owner of TLP Business Solutions, which is a company that we offer coaching services, uh, professional development, public speaking, and it's helping people to really maximize their potential and add the greatest value to where they contribute their time. That's, that's dope. Add the greatest value to where they contribute their time. So, so how did you get into all of these things? Man, it kind of... 
the funny thing, it kind of got into me, you know, this, you know, when you're living life and you're just trying to be, you're trying to discover who you are, you're trying to discover why you were born, why you were created, what is the thing that you're trying to do? You know, I, I try to leave this, I want to leave this earth empty. I want to leave this earth depositing everything I was supposed to deposit. And so in my journey, just trying to figure all that out. And I think we're all on that same journey trying to figure that out. Um, this business just kind of came out of me. I always found myself being drawn to people who had potential but didn't know it. Yeah. And that seemed to be the thing that um, always kind of appealed to me, people who had potential but didn't realize it. And I want, I wanted them to see what they could become, how they could get there, and how, what can I do to help them to, along their journey. Cool, cool. That's dope. So let's talk about fatherhood. I seen in your bio yeah. that you're a father. How many kids do you I have? I got three girls. Three yeah. girls. So that means six life. girls in <laughs> seven because my man got girls too. So let's talk about actually being a father to daughters, an African-American father too because people act like black dads aren't there and that's like, that's a lie. Like that's like one of the biggest lies and, and misconceptions, misconceptions yeah. that people tell because all my homeboys that's father, look bro, if you got kids and you don't rock with your kids, I can't rock with you. It ain't nothing personal but you created that. So if you don't, yeah, yeah. if you're not loyal to that, you know, regardless of the situation with the mother or whatever, if you're not loyal to your kids, how can you be, how can I trust you? That's how I feel. Yeah, so yeah. Let, let's talk about being a father. Yeah, being a father, and it's funny how you say being there, because being you can be in the house and still not be present in your kid's life. So being a father is a huge responsibility because you're kind of responsible for setting the course uh, where your kids are going to go, what they perceive to be good and bad. You know, we're responsible for being their, their first teachers, their first pastors, their first educators, their first psychologists. You know, there's a big responsibility on what we do as far as pouring into our children and what they're going to grow up to become. Um, being the father of three girls I'm I'm still learning, to be honest with you. You know, my oldest is 10, and I still don't have it down right. You know, so every day you're trying to evolve and you're trying to learn. I think that's a big part of being a parent is always being a student because I think I've learned just as much from my kids as, as they've learned from me. Right. So being present in the home is not only so much um, what your kids need. As adults, we need that. You'd be surprised how the things in our life come together and how our, it heals us when we're able to help raise a human being. So, like, how was your life growing up? Was mom and dad around? Funny thing, you know, it's funny how some of the times we perceived to be the greatest fathers didn't have any example. They had nothing to work with. You know, right. when I grew up, I didn't have a father in the home. So I was raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of us. My mom is, has a legacy of public service, so she was in the foster care system. So I'm her youngest child biologically, but she had at least hundreds of kids come through our home. So I went from being the youngest biologically to at times being the oldest. So yeah. um, grew up in the house with no father, just a mother who was working hard to make sure that we had food, eat, clothes to wear, that type of situation. Now, you said no father in the house, so dad was around, just not in the home. He wasn't even, um, no, he wasn't even around. I think he tried his best, and I think he's still trying his best even to this day to reconcile some things in his life, but he didn't know how to really be there for people because of his own scars, I think because of his own shortcomings in life. He just didn't know how to connect with people, and that unfortunately found its way into his relationship with his children where he didn't know how to connect with his children. So he was findable but he wasn't there <laughs> now i hear a lot of people say that uh i hear a lot of people say stuff like that like uh my dad wasn't there because he didn't have a dad and to me now this isn't about your father this is mm-hmm. about anybody who said that sure. to me that's just the excuse right 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 okay yo he didn't know how to be a dad so but he knew how not to be a dad because yeah. if he your father wasn't there you, you know how that made you feel and yeah. that's just like the excuse to me because Although my father, well, my mom and dad was married for a long time, but then when they got divorced, like, he still tried to be the father from a distance, but it's just not, you're not contributing. Like you said, people there, but they're not there mentally and stuff. So then you end up not being there, and then people got to realize, too, like, 
they, we just adults and some people just don't want kids. And I think it's harder for people to accept that. Like he just didn't want kids. Like my yeah. dad at one point probably just didn't want kids. He got two sets of twins and a, a older daughter, daughter. Yeah. and then a young man who he was instrumental in raising. But we all get the same thing. Like, oh yeah, he's selfish. He just ain't, right. <laughs> he just ain't want kids. Now something that stuck out to me, you said that you had hundreds of foster <laughs> kids, you know, and uh, like my grandmother used to have foster kids. So yeah. like, how was it when you turned into the oldest of these younger foster kids or when it was people coming through the house that was uh, foster kids and they was, um, you know, some of them kids is real messed up, man. And it ain't yeah. they fought, you know what I'm saying? Now, the kids like that, they right. have a bad time in life because they are, they are like, for instance, they could have lived with you for five years and then somebody else adopted them. So they, they like constantly being uprooted, constantly being uprooted. Like, how has that affected you today to know that so many kids came through and call your mom, mom, or look at your mom a certain way when she was just trying to help? Like, do you still see some of these kids and stuff? Yeah, at first I wasn't with it. You know, you calling my mom, mom, like, who are you? You know, <laughs> at first I wasn't with it. But ultimately, seeing the foster care system is one of the most, I think the foster care system and the incarceration system are some of the hardest things to watch because there's right. so many things that are wrong with those systems. And being someone who grew up around that and seeing that, like you said, a lot of these kids had a lot of problems and issues that were not their fault. And so being able to see those things, you can definitely see the impact of not having a father or not having parents involved, what that can do to a person. Most people that I know who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, they're dealing with stuff that happened when they were 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the things that kind of set the course of our life, they happen when we're young. So being exposed to that, um, being at that time the oldest biological child that my mom had and had a lot of younger brothers and sisters who were um, not my blood brothers and sisters, um, it, it was crazy to see that because you don't know them and they yeah. don't look like you and they, they're not black like me, but they're my brother. You know, yeah. I had a sister. She just died two years ago. She was white, but she was my sister. So it, yeah. it, it changed the game for me as far as what I consider family and what I consider people you can connect to. It goes way deeper than what your last name is. Yeah. And then most of us don't know our true last name anyway. <laughs> true. I mean, uh, like we always talk on here openly about it. Like uh, our name is uh, to the world. Our name is AJ and SJ, but technically our last name is Simmons. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. we just found that out in 2001. Now, I say just in 2001, but 2001 was 17 years ago. But by that time, we had already adapted to the Jackson lifestyle because yeah. the, the coming up as a Jackson, we lived a certain lifestyle. We knew nothing about the Simmons. And then this man pop up and they like, this is your dad's dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we probably wouldn't even been the same people had we known that because come to find out on this side of the family, we got uh, relatives who went to Morris Brown. Uh, all the men on this side of the family live well into their 90s. Like yeah. my, in the year 2000, one of our uncles died and he was 99 years old. Wow. As I went back, he they had an auntie who died who was 104, cousins 106. Wow. All of that matter because yeah, everybody right. on the Jackson side of the family, 55, 55, dying yeah. early. Yeah. My uh, grandfather who raised my dad killed his son, his namesake, his wow. junior. So that's a whole different game psychologically when you're yeah. growing up and you're thinking that your grandfather killed his son. If your grandfather could kill his son, although we never met him, he can't have no love for me. 
because right. he killed his son. I'm just your grandson. And come to find out, I'm actually not, not your, your grandson. grandson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can imagine like how people dealing with that, just coming in a new situation. Yeah. Yesterday you lived in Florida. Today you live in Michigan, and she's white with a black family per se. It's like yeah, how do yeah. you those identity issues? Is things that people definitely still be dealing with. So where'd you grow up at? East side, west side, Detroit? Are you, you grew so up? So I actually grew up in the sticks in yeah. the country side of a. Uh, it wasn't even Ypsilanti, which is the city I usually claim because when I say Willis, people have no idea what a Willis is. Oh, we you, know what Willis is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my God, bro. What's your mom name? What was the lady name? No, no, uh, Miss Cassandra. Miss Cassandra. Because we knew okay. a lady who lived in Willis named Miss Cassandra and she had like foster girls and that's all she did. Yeah, there was a lot of people in Willis, a lot of, because a lot of people who were in that area were sharecroppers, so they were in the farming, you know, things like that. So they didn't have like mechanical jobs or implants, maybe, but most people out there were trying to find a way to make money. And a lot of people, that's why they went into the foster care system was just to make money. And that's yeah, why you have right. a lot of kids who were not given the benefit of a good raising parent, you know, because people were just in it for the financial for the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. See, well, that's what well, my grandma, grandma got into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's my dad's mom. So, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. That's just yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. You know So what that I'm was saying? popular in Willis. So, yeah, that, that's where I grew up at out there in the sticks and yeah. then uh, moved to Ypsilanti and then been kind of floating around Michigan ever since then. Okay, yeah. So, like, how was the experience being black growing up in Willis? Because that's actually Washington County, we already know, is more toward yeah. the... It's just a lot of... If you're not from the area, uh, it's a worldwide thing we're doing yeah. here. So, so yeah. Washington County, Willis, that's that's white people for real. Ypsilanti yeah, yeah, is the absolutely. Ypsilanti is the big city to that. So you know what I'm saying? So like how was it growing up? Like was it a lot of African American families back then and that? There were a lot of African-American families that stayed connected intentionally, which means they weren't your neighbors. I was fortunate enough to grow up with um, African-Americans who were, like, down the street. My grandparents actually grew up down the street from me. A lady from the church was across the street from me. So, you know, I grew up around a lot of black people, but they were older black people. So as far as youth and people my age who I played with, um, you knew you were black very early because you were the only black kid in your class, only black kid on the bus. So you were very aware of being different at a very early age. And, you know, I think it's um, racism isn't confined to one area, whether you grew up in the uh, in the city, in the suburbs or in the country. Um, you know, we were confronted with that like anybody else was when you go to the store to get milk. Are you there to steal something? You know, right, or right. If, a, if, a, if a policeman drives by, you, you grew up thinking police officers are heroes. And then how the, your first encounter with them can set the course of how you see law enforcement. Forever, so we, yeah. we grew up that wasn't segregated to just the city. We experienced that as well in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, exactly. country racism is a little different, and and yeah, yeah because like <laughs> we uh, we grew up in Inkster, but yeah. we went to Taylor schools. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Taylor, don't 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 white people don't hold you up. They go let you know they prejudice. So I be telling my homeboys yeah. like because now I work with a bunch of white people, and then I work with younger black people, and I said, listen, man. You're not going to defend the word nigger. You could beat it out of them all you want. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. just in them. And they might not even be really racist as you think. But when they get to calling you like porch monkeys and moon crickets and shit like that, <laughs> like shit you never heard that you might not even know that's racist and offensive, that's when you got to do something to them because now they put, they taking you to a whole nother level. Like you learn to say nigger in old movies, a time to kill. Like, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's not a big deal to me because you're not going to beat the racism out of nobody. Like, yeah. But I feel like you got the right to be racist. Like, see... The way I look at things is like people want to force their views and opinions on you to try to, to to try to discredit your views. So if a person believe this, you shouldn't believe that. You should believe this. But I believe like if you racist, you racist. Like that's that that's it's how not, you. Yeah. It's not a big deal to me because. Mm-hmm. That's not going to stop my life now with, like, systematic racism, though, where, like, your doctor is racist and all of that, and you don't know that your doctor is racist and he's prescribing you. Stuff like that do happen, but 
you should have had a black doctor if you felt anything. You know what I'm saying? Like anything that you don't agree with racially, then you should go to whoever you agree with it like that. Like you can't say, well, I don't fuck with white people, but your doctor white, your dentist white, all mm-hmm. these people white. And then you go home and you pro black. No, bro, because that's not helping your cause. Because if you feel like I can't mess with these white people, but your doctor white. Plus, you never know who funds racism. racism. Yeah, it's that's just a, it's a money thing. Yeah. Fun, that's that, that's why uh, white supremacy is able to uh, live on because they fund white supremacy. No one really funds being pro-black because just like we talking, like, my dentist is black. My daughter's doctor is black. Like, I've only spent my money unless I absolutely have to with black people because I don't know what they fund, and they could be funding some pro-blackness to help my children because I'm who I'm going to be. But my children got to grow up in a world that's going to be totally different than today. That they world gonna be different than ours, and we gotta teach them that you fund what you believe in. But so let's talk about your bachelor's degree in literature and communication. What made you go into that? You know, I went to school, and I wouldn't recommend it to be honest with you. I think I everybody has to find their own path. <laughs> you know, neither. if everybody says our kids have to go to college, I'm like, why? You know, right. maybe your kid can learn a trade, maybe they can learn a skill, right. maybe they're gonna go. And, and, and we seeing a product of that, not to cut you off, because yeah, yeah. right now, like I, I graduated in 2000. I don't know when you graduated, but like in '97. Mm-hmm. In 98, they took all the trades out of the high schools except for auto lab. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now it's a big influxual. It's like everybody went to college. Everybody owe all this money. But it's yeah. not no trades. It's not no uh, It's not no electricians. It's not no plumbers. It's not yeah. no pipe fitters. So these people who doing this, like, so at my job, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, to get your journeyman's card, you gotta do so many years. You know what I'm saying? And some of the guys that they, um, studying behind and get their journeyman's card before mm-hmm. the people that they teaching go get their card, they're gonna be retired. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's like a whole generation of none, no trade. So the yeah. electrician is 60 years old. He's like, bro, I could work another 10 years and I can name my price because an electrician ain't came through the door in 15 years. Yeah, I think people try. We start, we try to set our kids up for success. I think I think what it is is our parents and our grandparents, and some of them do value education, and that's perfect. I have nothing against education, but if all I know is this is what success looks like as a shirt and a tie and a person with a bachelor's degree, I'm gonna push my kid to do that because I don't know any better. Right. I think it's a mindset. I, like my daughters, I want them to go to school. I want them to be able to make the choice to go to school. But if they don't want to make the choice to go to school, I had to set them up to win in a different way. Right. And so that means I have to get them to think about owners right now. Think about how you can own your own business, how you can have your own thing. And so I'm teaching them to think about that. But if education is going to give them an advantage, I do feel an education gives an advantage, then I want you to go for free. I want to be able to. So there's a lot of work we have to do. Right. So me going to college was really about um, that being instilled in me by people who were around me saying you should go to school, yeah. get a good education. You have a lot of value. To, um, to, uh, so I, I was I was for that. And so I went to yeah. Eastern, got my degree in literature and communications. I love reading. I love books. And I like to talk. So that, it right. seemed um, almost second nature that I should get my degree. In which I did, yeah. and um, so my time at Eastern was it was positive. It was great. I saw the the good things about going to college and the bad things about <laughs> about being in college, and yeah. it was a great experience. Yeah. So we actually do the same thing. Like my daughter doesn't have a college fund. She has a fund that, if possible, you spend this on building your business. Yeah. Like that's just what it is. Like she like really artsy, and I yeah. just told her like if wow. you think you gonna go to college to excel in this. You just put the work in now because it's nothing that they can teach you. They can teach you like what they believe fine art is and stuff, but that's not like going for math. I said if you go go for math or science, I'm with yeah. that because those two things never change around the world. Two plus two is four. 
everywhere we go in the world, yeah. no matter what language you speak and everything. But she, we always put the entrepreneurial spirit in her. And this is just all I tell her. I say, you see how daddy got to go to work at this time? If you don't want to do that, you got to be the person who own the job, who own the Absolutely. building, who employ the people. So yeah. you go home whatever time you want and make sure that you treat your employees great. So they value working for you. And I tell her, you're not a boss if you're the only person who benefit from this. If somebody working with you for 16 years, they should be able to take care of their family well yeah. and comfortable. And they, you should trust them and they should trust you and they should want to work with you. I know a guy who just worked for a company for 16 years and couldn't even afford a new vehicle if he wanted right. to. Yeah. I said, right. see, that person he worked for, not a boss. Yeah. They selfish. You know what I'm saying? So we own that, too. Yeah, right? I'm on that, too, because my daughter, if I got to pay, she ain't going to college. Because by that, <laughs> I'm just being real, because by that time, yeah. college is going to be astronomically high. And then when you think about it, like, okay, so people get student loans. You know what I'm saying? But a student loan is the only loan that you can get from somewhere where they give you a refund. Like, if you go get a car loan, they don't give you a refund. If you go get a house loan, they don't give you a refund, which leads me to believe that this, this don't cost as much as they're telling you. Because you don't see how much it costs. You fill out the paperwork, they say they pay, and they give you a check back. That don't even make sense in the in the aspect of loaning somebody some money to do something where every other loan that you're ever going to get won't do that. Yeah. So it's a big scheme. People be, they never, uh, I told the lady, uh, I could give you my degree back. I never used it. Y'all can have it back. <laughs> And we could settle it out. And she laughed because she was like, yeah, if you just pay the minimum payments and what this is, you're going to probably pay for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I don't even know how long the rest of your life is going to be. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's it's just a big scam because if taxes pay for, okay, let's say we in Dearborn, right? If taxes pay for the elementary, the high school, and the junior high in Dearborn, why don't saying taxes don't pay for the community colleges in Dearborn? When, did educa- when do we start paying for education if taxes pay for here? Like who determined that? Okay, people want to go to college. Let's charge for college, but you gotta go to school. Like well, you if your kids college. not in school, they go yeah. come get you. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> college, do we, well, college used to be free. You just had to get accepted. Like the real, the real business of education probably came around the time that people. Uh, I don't say people of color because people of color put too many people under the black problem. So when black people start to be able to understand and go to college, that's when the pay came in. College, all you used to have to do was be accepted to college. So it was a big deal when, like, people, black people got to Harvard and all of this because oh, okay, they were yeah. accepted. That wasn't for pay. But then when everybody started, oh, we going to college. So then you can see around the same time is when black colleges started to pop up. Right, Because right, right, now, yeah. since they saying we got to pay, we can just create a agricultural college. We know agriculture already. And that's why all of, most of those black colleges, they own, own slave land. You know what I'm saying? It's places where they already where could, could, could yeah. build and stuff. So uh, it say you work for one of the largest media companies. We don't have the name of media company, but what what did you do for that media company? Yes, I was there for um, a number of years. I was uh, I started actually during the year of the recession and um, just needed a job, needed to work. And I came to this company, and I was just so impressed with the vision of this company. I said, man, I want to be able to thrive here. I want to be able to leave a name here. And so I, I wanted to, at that time, you know, grow to a level of leadership that was basically – like what you may call like management or supervision or middle level management. And I said, I want to be able to do that. But at that time I didn't have my degree. All I had was a wish and a dream and a need to make, you know, take care of my family. And um, so within two years I worked very hard and I I was able to promote and do those things. And before I left this organization to pursue my business full time, I was able to promote and move around in the company. And um, I think it teaches you a, 
a, a language. It teaches you how to kind of speak in the boardroom and at the same time, so you can go from room to room with culture to culture and I can have different types of conversation with, by still being myself. This company actually taught me how to do that, how to, you yeah. can still be yourself but at the same time be flexible and if you're in this room, you talk this way. If you're in this, so I, I was able to learn the language of people who were who benefited from a system that didn't benefit me. And yeah. so I was exposed to it and I leveraged everything I possibly could from it to basically ultimately added to who I am as a leader and who I am yeah. as a business owner. So it was, uh, I love the experience that I had there, but I am happy that I was able to make a decision to leave yeah. to pursue my own thing. Now, when I was going far in uh, up the ladder in management, that's like one of the thing, only things I appreciated too, is being able to know that I can move like that. Like I've talked to like Uber millionaires to like people who make yeah. minimum wage. But the thing I found most interesting is only the black people want you to turn it on and off per se. Like the when I used to talk to the owner of this company, he just liked you for being you. Now just because I'm a professional, he don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then the black people will be like, "Why, why you don't talk to us like that?" And I'm yeah. like, "Well, it's not because we. Uh, I'm talking to him different. It's just that we talking on the same level." Yeah. When I talk to yeah. him, we talking about how many units do he think we can move out of a certain space. So I have to talk units. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? It really comes down to strategy. And I'm a huge it's, – it's controversial, but I'm huge on this. It's what ultimately do you want to do. So if you're in this game, if you're in corporate America because you want to be in corporate America and you want to grab the climb the corporate ladder, um, you have to say, though, if that's what I have to do, then I have to kind of play the corporate game and at, until I get to the point, you know, so some people do it that way. Other times I'm saying if you don't want to be in corporate America, it's just funding your dream and it's funding your business. Then so it, it all depends on what you what you're trying to do. Like so for me, I was able to grow in the corporate world and do those things. But ultimately, I knew I wanted to own my own thing. So I yeah. did what I had to do to kind of get money to fund my dream. I let them fund my business. I let them fund what I wanted to do. Right. So if you're someone who has so it, it all depends on why you're there. So if you're there. And you're trying to grow. You have to you have to be flexible yeah. because otherwise you're gonna it's gonna take longer for you to grow unless you can find somebody who can put you on or find somebody who can open the door for you. It, it's it's an it's a roller coaster ride. So it all yeah. depends on what you're there for because that's gonna determine your strategy and how you show up. Um, it, so it's it's, it's different for, for different people based yeah. on what you're trying to get from it. And then a lot of people actually don't know what they're trying to get from it. So that's huge. I used yeah. to be like, what I would do right to make my name going up up that ladder in that specific company to make my name because on paper is just the location but to make my name I would do stuff like oh uh they bring in uh investors and partners it's a regular day at work but I still dress up but then I still wear my d hat with inkster yeah. on the back so yeah. like my staff like oh we got some important people coming so if they see me get <laughs> yeah, out the car yeah. dressed like this they know we on our a gang but yeah. he still got that hat on so we know when he talked to us it's serious and yeah. I just would make my name like that and before I left like my name was ringing. I was like the first person in the Hall of Fame, and it's all from my work. So I was doing the work, and then I was. But my, so you in a retail Hall of Fame? Aren't you? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, well, they sold the company, so I don't know if they kept the same yeah. office building. But my my picture was definitely in the corporate office. Yeah. So once your picture in the huge. corporate office, they know I'm by my business, and then they be like, oh, well, well if we call that store. I hear him like making sure that staff and yeah, stuff is in yeah. line. My so. work experience is totally different. Like I can't, I'm not a people person. I can't yeah. work in the public. Like yeah. I can't, I actually work better in a box, like, yeah, you know, yeah, off to yeah. the side. But like, <clears throat> excuse me, 
even at work now, like I'm a team leader, and I like when new people come in the department, I tell them, look, I ain't got to like you. I'm going to treat you fair. What's fair is it's fair to me and fair to you. I mean, not fair to me, not fair to you, fair to the situation. If I got your back, I got your back. I mean, I got your back as an employee. I don't got to know you personally because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to like all y'all. Is is. 15 different personalities I got to deal with. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to like all y'all, but I'm going to treat you with respect and leave me the fuck yeah. alone. Let me do my thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I got your back whether I like you or not, and that's all you need to know because in my department, what I do, I put it down that no, the supervisors don't want no problems with me because I take it there the right way. Like if Because if, if we're doing it by the book for Terrence, then we're doing it by the book for everybody. That includes you, supervisor. So stuff Absolutely. that you ain't supposed to be doing, I'm going to be on your head if you on their head about stuff yeah. that. And sometimes I got to go through the department, hey, we ain't we can't sleep this week. You got to take your earbuds out. We got to do it regular yeah. because they own us because he was on you and now I'm on him. And yeah. I do that for everybody. I, yeah. If they mess with you, they mess with me. Yes, I'm bringing on them problems to myself because I know, you know what I'm saying, they make it yeah. extra hard for me, but I'm up for the challenge, but just leave me alone while I'm fighting yeah, and this that, fight. And, that, and that's, <laughs> that's style. What you're referring to is leadership style, so your style may be different. Your style may be different to the next person, but that's your style. Where we make it wrong in business is we don't appreciate diversity. We don't need everybody to be a dominant personality. We don't need everybody to be a passive personality. We don't need everybody to be good with people. You need all of those things. Because if yeah. everybody is good with people, then who are we going to put out here to do X, Y, and Z? If yeah. everybody is So if everybody's good at the same thing, that business is not going to thrive. Nah, yeah. that business is not going to do well at all because there's no diversity. We think diversity is limited to race, color, and ethnic background. Diversity is how do you think? How do you deal with people? How do you process? The best environments and the best workforces are where there is diversity. You need all those things. And I think the number one question we shouldn't ask ourselves is how much money do I want to make or where do I want to go? We have to ask ourselves, what problem can I solve? If everybody was to ask themselves, what problem can I solve? Promotion is inevitable. Growth is inevitable. I mean, those things are going to happen because as long as you are in the business of solving a problem, you'll never go out of business because you'll never stop having problems. Yeah. So let's take it to us. So you you were working in corporate America for one of the largest companies and then you decided to walk away, I guess, to uh, start TLP Business Solutions LLC. Now, who did you uh, talk to when you decided to make that decision? Like, like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, because by the way you talking, I could tell that you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're on top of your business. So like, who are the people that you talk to? Like, yo, I'm about to walk away from this because it seemed like you was excelling at the job and you was doing good. And now this is a big decision because... Yeah. I could leave this job and it could be all over tomorrow or I could leave this job and it could be just starting tomorrow. So, like, who did you sit down and really talk to? Like, yo, this is the move, win, yeah. lose, or draw. The funny thing with me is I had to be dragged out of it because, like everybody, we like a nice warm blanket. It was a comfort zone and it didn't put a demand on me. I could do it easily, but I got bored. And when I'm bored, I don't show up good. I don't show up right. I don't add the greatest value. And so really, it wasn't so much like I made this decision, I'm going to do this thing. It was more so like, what happens if I keep showing up like this? What happens if I keep coming to work? Everybody is benefiting. Eventually, I'm going to stop adding value because I'm not bringing my best to the table. So really, the conversation came from me being this tired of doing the same thing. And I wasn't growing. And I felt like I was dying inside because I felt I had a business inside of me that I wouldn't feed. It's kind of like nursing a child. Like, I wouldn't nurse the child. I wouldn't nurse the child of my possibility and my potential. And I couldn't sit there and watch the kid die. I I had to do something. And so what I did was I I really prayed about it. Like, man, what's the next move for me? And sometimes we'll pray about something, God will answer, and we still ain't about to move. Because I felt in my heart, well, you have to quit this job. I said, God, if that's you, no disrespect, but I'm not doing that. I got bills and DT. I can't call DTE and say, hey, I got 
a dream. I can't call right. my cardinal and say, hey, I know I got a, a note due, but I feel something in my heart, you know. So <laughs> when I felt the leading of the Lord even to leave the job, I, I waited six months. I, I didn't move. And in those six months, I'll tell you, it was the worst six months of my professional life <laughs> because <laughs> every land, day but... I hated being there. Every day, I, 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 and it's to the point, I'm a person who likes to smile. When they say, man, Terrence, you ain't smiled in a month. That's a big deal because I'm a happy person. You know, so yeah. I, I had become this person that I, I, I didn't recognize. And so I said, okay, I'm going to make this jump. And the first person I talked to, the first person I told, um, the funny thing is my wife, she's the type of person where she's not going to tell a man not to work. And she wanted to say, Bay, you should quit your job. Bay, you should do. But right. at the time, my wife had left the workforce to raise our children. So she was, I had the only income. So right. she, she's not going to go tell that man not to work, right? And so she wouldn't say anything. So the, I remember the day I quit, um, I called my wife. And I was like, all right, I got to go explain to her because I was making a good amount of money. Right. He said, I got to explain her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called, I sat in my car, and I, I said, Bay, I quit today. And she said something I'll never forget. She said, Congratulations. And that's dope. And that's, and that's dope. all I needed. She yeah. said, I couldn't tell you not to work. I couldn't tell you to stop providing, but I needed you to try. You, need, you had to make this decision for yourself because if it don't work, you can't get mad at me. Right. <laughs> but right. she said, ultimately, you had to believe in yourself enough to pursue this. But the fact that I had a chick who's rocking with me like that, who can, who I can say, hey, I'm walking off a job. And she said, all right, okay, bet. And she don't ask me no questions about, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? You know, that's really, she's the person that I went to first and talked to her. And um, she was down for it and she encouraged it. And uh, we've been rocking with it ever since. Yeah, because definitely if the next question was how we, that ain't. It would have shut it down. Yeah, because like, yeah, yeah. that would have killed your dream for yeah. real. You know what I mean? So let's talk about TLP Business Solutions. Um, obviously, you are a coach because you've been actually coaching. through. The, you, know, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah. like some people might not recognize like that. So what is actually coaching? Like somebody coaching somebody through life. So Yeah, so coaching for me is basically developing a person's skill set helping them to understand, again, what problem are they called to fix? What is it that they're trying to do? Is it promote on your job? Is it start your own business? If, it, if it's a nonprofit capacity, like if you're in ministry or if you have a nonprofit thing that you're trying to get around, I coach you to basically show up to that thing and add the greatest value. Add the greatest value. And so um, how can people contact you to coach them? So my website is terrenceperger.com. If you go there, you can actually register to get Spell coaching. Spell that out for them. It's T as in tiger, E-R-R-A. N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie, E as in Echo, and then my last name is P as in Purple, U, R as in Romeo, Y like Yellow, E like Echo, A like Alpha, R like Romeo, TerrencePurrier.com. And, and so when did you discover that you could you could help people bring the best out of them? Because that's actually what coaching is doing. You're bringing the best out of the people so they could figure out what problems they could solve. Like, when did you know, like, this is it? Like, how much practice did you have at that? Like, in a sense, of you've been doing that your whole life. Is that something yeah. you picked up, seeing so many kids come through the house? Not that you look back on it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say when it started, and I don't think I've stopped learning yet. I think it came through just me interacting with people. What gave me the greatest joy? What gave, what gave me the greatest satisfaction was being coached, being mentored, and being taught, and being able to duplicate that and do it for other people. That gave me the greatest joy. So I said, well, if I can make this a business, if I can make this something I can do for a living, like we all try to do, to do the things that we love, um, then why not go for it? So it kind of grew from there. Now, me personally, I don't do stuff I love. I don't want to do it for a living because I don't want to start to hate it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, sure. And I mean by that is like since when you, when you stopped working your uh, regular job and this became your business, now, like, you depending on it in a different way because now you go home and you ain't got nobody you coaching. You're looking at your kids like, oh, shit, how we go eat today yeah. at some point. Or it take over so much that you now you're going away from the home, 
way more than you was ever going away from the home with your yeah. regular job. So like person like we used to rap, we used to do this, we used to do that. But all the things I love, no matter if they make money or not, I just look at it as a hobby, whether it's the primary income or not. Because once I start looking at it as like this is all I got, it turns into now. I might not be coaching the person the best because I'm looking at it as like, I got to get more clients because it got to do this. It got to do that. Like, yeah. how do you separate that from actually still loving it? Like, yeah, you have to break this thing down to layers because at the end of the day, we often get caught up in the fruit, the leaves, even the stem. But what is the seed? What is the root system? So I may love music. I may love to talk to people. I may love to write books. But th- what does the root system look like? Because after you, after you pull the music off, after you pull the public speaking off, after you pull the things that we can identify with, that's the thing that they do. The root system is what am I actually, what problem am I solving? I'm helping mm-hmm. people. I'm making people feel good. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm making people feel good, if I'm doing that through music, right. if I'm doing that through helping other people do it through music, if I'm doing it as a producer or as an artist, at the end of the day, I'm still satisfying the primary interest, which is to make people's lives better. Right. And so I think that's transferable. So when we limit it to just the fruit, I think the roots, I think our system can produce more than just the fruit of music or the fruit of a book. I have a book, but I couldn't stop at a book because I got right. bored with the book. What can I do with this book now? Help somebody else write it. So it, it's going to continue to grow. The fruit is going to grow, but the root system comes from my desire to help, my desire right. to make people's lives better. So everything ultimately will satisfy that need. Right, right, right. So like uh, you mentioned something earlier, so a lot yeah. of this is a faith-based. For, for me... A lot of it, I would say for me, all of it really is. You know, how how that comes out of my mouth and how it's communicated, it can be controversial at times. It can be different. It's not church, though. I don't want people to mistake my faith system with my church system because religion is a system. Church is a system. And so we have to take a look at what system, there's all this, what feeds my seed. And it's not church. It's not a religion, even though I'm part of, I'm really active in my church. At the end of the day, when I'm by myself, it's, it is a faith system because everything that I'm, I, I pull from this that, that feeds this seed, it, it's scripture, it's prayer, it's things that help my life and how that may come out when I'm talking about it. It may right. not sound like a sermon, but yeah. it comes from the seed of, uh, for me, it is a faith-based system. Now, uh, I'm not one to back down from faith or controversy. Uh, I'm going to ask, you're a Christian. I'm asking. Okay. I'll say okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a Christian, <laughs> so you would be a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. So is it faith based in Jesus Christ or faith based in the ability of yourself? So for me, this this is just for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's faith. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So I just want people to know this is like not Christian bashing or anything because, no, no, no. No, because yeah. you know, people, Christians like diehard Jesus or nothing, right? So <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of them. So I don't want them to take your answer or take that question yeah. the wrong way. But if you take my question the wrong way, I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? No, them, you. Them, yeah. not you. Yeah, for you. Like, I mean, even Peter was a diehard Christian, but when he came down to him, he said he didn't know Christ. You know, yeah. so I think for me, it, my, my convictions <laughs> are my convictions are faith-based, but the overflow of what happens in my relationship with God, my business is just the overflow of that. Okay. So my, I don't, my business, my coaching, we're not going to talk scripture, yeah. but you're going to hear that there's some themes in there that okay, may resonate okay, with okay. faith. You understand okay. what I'm saying? So this yeah. isn't like a Christian business, but it's just a Christian owner. Right. No, that's uh, Yeah. And I just ask that because a lot of people, when you say like certain stuff is faith based, like they automatically jump to like, oh, this, he going to be preaching or something <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I, stay, I steer clear away 
from labels like that because yeah. you automatically, whatever a person's relationship is with the faith community or what their relationship is with the church community, if you come off saying something that resonates with a history and a past for them, they've already going to, so I, I don't label that, yeah. but talk to me, they're going to say, like you asked me, man, is, it, is it, because you're hearing it, it yeah. it's resonating with you. Well, I read the bio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked that yeah. because like I got, I don't believe in uh, Christianity. I don't, I practice yeah. Islam. I practice Christianity yeah. and that's right. They both systems. I believe yeah. wholeheartedly that the black woman is actually God. So when, mm-hmm. what actually made me talk yeah. to you is because how you were with your daughters in, in the store. Yeah. That's what made me talk to you because yeah, yeah. like so even yeah. Christian, I mean, even a book based. So in the Bible, it say that we were made of of God's image. Right. But mm-hmm. depending on what type of Bible, it say his image. But the image of a human, even if we go history dating back, the oldest human ever found on the planet was a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. So I believe the black woman is God, not women, the black woman. And I believe that's that's the fruit of life. That's where everybody comes from. That's and deep. that's God's image of black woman. Is nobody on this earth stronger than black women. You here right now because of your little black women. You in the position that you are because yeah. a black woman prayed for you. Now whatever she prayed to whatever. But that if that black woman didn't pray for you, you, you don't know where you would be. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? You stayed in the home of your mother who took you in foster children because a black woman loved you. Not to say that them people who came through your house, a black woman ain't loved them because they did. Your mom or yeah. who knows where they yeah. would have been. You feel what I'm saying? That's just what I believe. That's why I nurture my daughters and tell them, you really do whatever you want. We can even break it down like yeah. to whatever game you win. The key to the door to get to the next level, whether no matter what you do, is a woman. If yeah. you don't treat your woman right, or if you don't treat women with respect, you would never get there. Because if you get there, who will make sure you don't get no further? Women. Mm-hmm. Period. Black women. That's, that's just deep, God man. I didn't me. know that too, because we believe two different things. You know, right. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Like, I just believe that it's a higher power. I don't give it a he or a she. Yeah. Or, I just believe in a higher power. And that come from studying Islam. That come from being Christianity. Like, um, when the Jehovah's Witnesses, like I, I've been to, like the, yeah. I like different stuff. I believe different stuff out of all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when the Mormons, the Mormons used to come over. What I do? I invite them in. I got the Quran on the table. I got they book on the table. I got uh, the Bible on the table. Let's talk about it because that's the only way you go. No, now, uh, no, I don't believe some dude went in the woods and was named John Smith or whatever. Like some some stuff, I just don't believe. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but I don't knock that. I can't tell you what to believe, yeah. but I just believe like it's a higher power like i think that labeling it christianity islam this and that that's the divide because right now if we was the hardcore muslims we was two years ago or three years ago and you not even like or and if if you walked in and felt that hardcore islamic vibe when we all just believe in one god you know what i'm saying this interview could have went the energy could have because (laughs) people come ready to defend and not listen and I started listening to people like, wait a minute, you don't got to believe what I got to believe. I can't force my beliefs. Like at one point I was going to get married and I, you know what I'm saying? I told the young lady I was with, it ain't no Christmas. It ain't no blah, blah, blah. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. You totally <laughs> disregarding on how she was raised, yeah. what she may think. And now fast forward, my whole thing is we got a daughter. If you want to teach our daughter about that, then that's what you teach her about. I'm yeah. a teacher what I teach her about. So if you want a Christmas tree in the house, I'm not helping put up no Christmas tree. I'm not turning no Christmas tree on because yeah. you doing that. You know what I'm saying? And then when Eid come around, that's the Muslim holiday after we uh, fast or whatever, mm. I teach her that. I, she make her own decisions. She don't got to believe in nothing because I can't control what she believe in. But people be so gun-ho to just force their beliefs on people. And, and, well, and, and that start with their children. Yeah, that start with yeah. their children. Like, 
you make your kid go to church and all that, that's not go strengthen their relationship with whatever Lord you, you or whether it's the mass year, yeah. whether it's the synagogue, they go hate that because they go think Saturday night when all my friends hanging out, I'm a Seventh-day Avenger. I can't come out the house. That's Marvel. Yeah. Right, right. My, 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 but you know what I'm saying, though? But, like, it's stuff like that because yeah, as I yeah. look back at, now that I'm grown, like, yeah. I had some of my favorite – I met some of my favorite people at church. I had some of my favorite times at church, you know what I'm saying? And then church just stopped because I wasn't – I never felt it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then – the masjid, I would go to the masjid, I would go to this masjid in Dearborn, I didn't feel accepted, I didn't feel the love, I didn't feel the energy, I would go to this masjid in the D, and that's when I figured out, like, because that don't define my relationship with whatever I believe in, and then I just shun religion, the the actual religion, the system, the of, system religion. of religion, because that's what it is, it's just a big system, it's like, if you say you're a Muslim, and I tell you I'm a Muslim, Here's a list of things that everybody telling me I should do that don't even know what Muslim mean. If you say you a Christian, here's a list of things that people who don't believe in nothing say, oh, you a Christian, you shouldn't do that. But you're not nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You literally identify with nothing, but so quick. So I just don't call me nothing. I believe in God. And I think whatever you call God, if you believe you when you were around believers, you were around believers. It don't matter if you're Christian and if I was a Muslim or whatever, hey, bro, you believe in God, you ain't got to tell me. I could tell because the conversation is dope. You know what I'm saying? The energy mm-hmm. is dope. And people don't think about that, like the vibes, the energy. That's real, man. Yeah. If you ever walked in a room and knew you weren't supposed to be in that room or you walked in a room like this is the room I'm supposed to yeah. be in, that's your stomach. That's vibration. That's what vibes mean. A lot of people don't even know that. Yeah. Vibes mean vibration. So Through that's your what body, your body yeah. telling you. So I just suggest that if you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim or whatever, if you're a Muslim, go talk to some Christians. Go to a, a Christian church. If you are Christian, go to a masjid, find out what Eid is, find out all of these things, and you will guess what? You will find out it's no different. The Old Testament and the the beginning of the Quran, exactly the same. Exactly the same. Everything's exactly the same. The name's the same. The people the same. The place is the same. No, nothing straight away. The New Testament, it ain't the same. The the New Testament ain't the same in several Bibles. Like, how do you feel about this, though? Yeah. How do you feel about, like, the uh, the homosexual community having their own Bible. Like, did you, have you seen that? Like, they got it's a real thing. This is a real thing, and I feel like stuff like that. That's when you start to play with God because now y'all got a Bible because y'all feel a certain way sexually. Like mm. those two things don't even. Go I, together. I think it comes down to because um, my, my my conversations. I'm a lot like you because my conversation is going to be like, how do I uncover and get down to the deeper need of it? I'm less interested. And if the homosexual has a Bible, I'm more interested in how do you feel and you at alone with your thoughts later at night and you by yourself, like, who are you right there? Let's talk about right. that. How'd you get there? And th- we'll get to the, if you're going to hell or not, like three days from now, but let's <laughs> yeah. just start with where are you in life right now so I can understand your story. Right. And I think a lot of times we don't, we're afraid to start there. We're not equipped to start there. That's why Christians won't come to a Muslim church. or a, They won't do that because the moment they leave out the building, the religion is gone because yeah. we're attached to a building. We're attached to a community of people because we need to belong and we need a sense of I belong to this thing. We need a, we even classic Israel, they asked for a king. They wouldn't even let God be their king. And so we, we, we want to touch people. We want to connect with people. And the reason why we're unable to have a conversation on the higher level as people is because it's it puts too much of a demand on who we are yeah. and we don't want to yeah. be vulnerable like that you know i'd rather just go to church put a suit on spray some cologne see who cute today i'd rather do that than for you to realize that when i was eight years old as a young man i was molested by a dude because that's going to open up a thing for me i don't want to talk about the fact that as a young woman i should you know we, we don't want to uncover those things it's easier just to call me a christian call me a muslim put me in a church building so i can say this is what i represent right. and so it's going to come a point in time when you're alone with your thoughts and the bill is due 
that building ain't there, that organ ain't there. That, yeah. it, it, we don't want to tap into that part of who we are, and we don't want people to see that part of who we are because we have this need to show perfection or we have this need to put on. And I don't know why we do that. Yeah. Social media, like, magnifies it, but at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's the devil to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, straight up, social media is, like, literally the devil, like, because you're trying to live up to these standards of what you think success is when actually you successful because, listen, man, your kids ain't never missed a meal. Your, your lights ain't never been cut off. Your, your, your car start up when you get. These yeah. is all things of success that if you ne- if you didn't have them, you understand that. But there's no round of applause for that. And yeah. see, people like that. People like likes. They like shares. People like for people to recognize what they're doing because, and that's a sad life. Because yeah. if you give me a like and 2,000 Facebook friends, and I have a good life. Yeah, that, That's sad. I say put time on that because that system is going to break down because it's a broken right. system. Anything yeah. that we put confidence in, if the system is break is a broken system, it's going to break. Right. I want to know who you are when that system breaks. Yeah. And that's why, like back to our, uh, my daughters, that's why we nurture who we already see she is. I love that you I remember could, that. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I could want her to be a doctor, but she that's not what she wants. So let's yeah. just like even with my sister, like, oh, she liked art. I'm taking her to the store. I'm buying her canvases. When she yeah. do that canvas, I'll buy yeah. it from her to see like you get paid for what you like to do. This is how yeah. you become a boss, a, a owner, a CEO. You know what I mean? Hey, we appreciate your time, man. Hold on, we gotta get no, to the I'm about books. to say yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get out of here, let's speak about uh, the books, the uh, uh, older one, and then the new one you got, and the out. conference you got coming. Yeah, up. so um, you know, it really came from something that f- it was in Frederick Douglass's autobiography, and one of the most powerful things I've ever read that really drew me to literature is Frederick Douglass said that, um, and I, I'll never forget this. I'll, I remember the day I, I first read this. It was an African-American history teacher was um, having a conversation with me. and we were reading, This was in college or in high school? High school and then again in college. Oh, okay. Um, and so Frederick Douglass writes about how when he was, uh, he was born into slavery. Yeah. And so he, they, he couldn't read because you you actually were not allowed to read, as you right. know. So he couldn't read. So the slave master's wife, you know, she put him up on game and taught him how to read. She would yeah. sneak and teach him how to read. The slave master found out. And I was like, hey, bae, what you doing? I mean, he didn't yeah. say that. Well, like, we don't know. <laughs> he, maybe he did. I would, that's how I would have said yeah, it. Yeah. He, said, um, he said, what are you doing? And he, she, he said, I'm teaching Frederick how to read. And he was like, if you teach him how to read, you will forever unfit him to be a slave. Right. And I tell you, that became the foundation of my writing, that literacy is the key Information and how we interpret information is the key to how far we can go. Right. These books were birthed out of that methodology. And the first book I wrote, Does Your Network, it's about uh, it's about systems. It's about people who went out to fish. They did a thing they knew how to do. They knew how to fish. They were fishermen. They had a boat. They had everything they needed, but no results. And I talk about how you can do everything right, know everything you're doing, and get nothing to show for it. And then Jesus encounters them and says, hey, why don't you just try something different? Throw your net on the other side of the boat and when they did that, they got a huge catch. So right. in this book, I talk about how you may have all the right tools, all the right things in place. Did, and all did you t- get that story from Forrest Gump? Did he say that? <laughs> <laughs> was that from oh, Forrest Gump? You know, when they was trying to do the shrimp. At, at the oh, end. <laughs> nah, man. Bubba, this is a different level than Bubba. But it was in that moment that a lot of us, we have every tool we yeah. need, everything we need, but our systems are broken. So all we had to do was make a small adjustment, and it changed the game for them entirely. So this book kind of breaks that story down. Grow Through It, which is my newest book. It's about, because sometimes people say, you know, just, just keep going through. No, it's not go through. You have to grow through. Right. If I'm not growing in what I'm going through, then what, I'm, then what am I doing? Right. And so this book kind of helps people to understand how you can grow through, how you can leverage experience, the bad stuff, the good stuff, and make it a story of success. And so yeah. this book really breaks down um, the importance of process. And I talk about how process is like a required ingredient for greatness. Like you have right. to go through process. Yeah. And then my conference um, is about, it's more so for people who are in the workforce. 
people who are entrepreneurs who are trying to grow in business. And I, I use an example of how I went to a meeting, and um, I'll keep it brief. I went to a meeting, had my cell phone. No, it's 2018, right? And this was this was this year. And so my notes, everything I need, it's in my phone. I don't got no briefcase. I don't got no notepads. I, you know, I know some of us, you know, we used to have a dependency yeah. on old systems, which is fine. But for me, I was dependent on the system that I had. So I said notes, talking points, ideas, it's all on my phone. So I'm good. I don't need nothing. I got my phone. Phone's at 5%. No big deal. When I get there, I'll just charge my phone up. Get to the place where we're meeting and they're under renovation. There's no working electrical outlets in the building. And so everything I need is in my phone. I have all this great ideas, great information, great value to add, but I'm only at 5%. And I said, how many times do we show up that way in life? We have all this potential, all these ideas, all these things to add, but we're at 5%. We're, right. de- we're depleted. We're tired. Work tasks, family, everything. And I can't add the greatest value at 5%. My battery's about to die. And we're right there where we can either plug into something that can charge us and get us to where we're trying to get to, or we can die right there with all that potential. So this right. conference is really designed to establish that connection and, and to talk about how we can get from being 5% to get to 100 where we can add the greatest value. What problems are we called to solve? What things can we fix that can position us to promote? Who can position us to get more customers and clients? So the In Charge Conference is taking place October 26th in Southfield, Michigan at the Silver Gardens Event Center. And the event is designed to get us to where we can be positioned to add the greatest value possible to position us to be successful and do what we we want to do. Okay, and people can get tickets to that on your website. Yep, terrenceperrier.com. You can get all of my books. You can register for coaching. um, And you can definitely register yourself and and other guests uh, um, for the conference right there at terrenceperiod.com. Okay, yeah, we go put that description in. And uh, uh, you got a podcast yourself? I'm playing with the podcast. This um, ain't nothing to play with, man. Yeah, this you is know, serious. It's, it's serious. Because I don't, like to bring some, I don't like to bring myself to something that I can't commit to and making at least the best I can make it. Yeah. Right. And so um, I haven't been pushing it as hard as I have been because of this conference, because I was wrapping up my last book. But I do have a podcast. It's on my YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube or SoundCloud and just search for Terrence Purrier, there is like about six of them on there where I'm talking about different things that we're talking about today, like yeah. how to be successful and just different things that kind of come in my heart to share. So that um, can be found on YouTube or on SoundCloud. Just search yeah. Terrence Purrier. Yeah, because the biggest thing with podcasting, because people like uh, me and my brother and my partners, we yeah. make it look really easy, but it's, it's the commitment. <laughs> no, it is. It's the commitment. People yeah. like one of my homeboys I grew up with, we like, yeah, we gonna have you on. He like, all right, we like, no, you gotta send us like your bio and stuff so we get like we don't yeah. just come yeah. in here with like yeah. we plan this like this been done since we talked. Yeah. You feel what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. like that's how far in like, advance yeah. we plan. Yeah. So it's like it's a real commitment. So, but uh, I appreciate you coming. We go. We just appreciate you having yeah, us. That man. was a good conversation. So the connected experience. What we do is we either connect. We usually had two people here who don't know each other who could benefit from knowing each other. And if we have a solo guest, we connecting them to the people because the people can benefit yeah. from knowing them. And like what you came and did, like the discussion was great. And I just know that people go contact you reach out because you do a great service for the community Appreciate you know what it. i'm saying because that's true can you identify the different styles of leadership when i was in leadership my main thing was i want my dna to be on this company when i'm no longer here yeah so i want to teach everybody to get to the next level yeah right so you're gonna stand like at the top of the company <laughs> and come down on it that's what happened because i've been yeah. gone for years yeah. and i still have people in place you know what yeah. i'm saying whatever and, that next level is for people yeah and like, i tell yeah, them absolutely. the same thing like and if if you want to do the same thing yeah. you got the opportunity to pull people up and, that's real and that's all it was like i didn't care about nothing but how many people who are ready 
can I assist in getting promoted? Because yeah. I can't get you promoted. I can just assist you when you're ready. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's so, 100, man. Because my thing is, I don't. I tell people, I don't build my resume. I build my obituary. Yeah. I'm not trying to see what you're going to know me for. Well, I may be different a year from now. But right. when I'm gone, what can you say about what I left here? Yeah. So I don't build my resume. I'm building my obituary. I want yeah. it to be, you know, I want to leave the greatest thing possible for people to be able to leverage and add some utility to somebody's life. So right. where can they find you on social uh, networking? Everything is Terrence Perrier. So, um, I'm not really on Twitter like that, but um, Instagram, well, I'm on Twitter, Terrence Perrier, but Instagram, Terrence Perrier, Facebook, Terrence Perrier. Um, if you search my name, it'll come up. You'll even be able to see all the stuff about my conference and my books. It's all in there as well. So I encourage people to follow me. I like to connect with people, hear their stories, and um, do everything I can to be supportive to their, what they're trying to be about. So everything is at Terrence Perrier. And again, the website is TerrencePerrier.com. Okay, yeah, dope. And if you want to get at us, you already know, TCE Pod across uh, Twitter, IG, no personal pages for me. Maybe that guy, you know what I'm saying, but no per- nothing personal for me. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, P-R-I-T-C-O-H-H dot org. If you want to advertise, P-R-I-T-C-O-H-H dot org. And, uh, I want for my brother what, what I, I want, want for myself. myself.